Pledge Recycles Plastic is the education and engagement part of the recycling charity Recoup. We provide the link between the consumer and the plastics industry. By working with Recoup members, we will ask your questions directly to the experts and provide you with the recycling facts about plastic products that we all use in our day-to-day -day lives. Our focus is to cut the confusion around plastics recycling. Good morning. Today's podcast, we're joined by Mike Baxter. Mike's going to talk to us all about films and flexible in our recycling. So, hi, Mike. Would you like to tell the listeners who you are and why you're our expert today? Hello. And first of all, thank, every, thank you, everyone, for joining this podcast. I think it's very important that uh, we get the message over about plastics recycling clearly and concisely because there's a lot of myths I'm afraid but I also must thank Recoup because Recoup do a great job with trying to get the message over. Who am I? I'm Mike Baxter. I'm the Corporate Affairs Director for Berry BPI Group. We are one of the largest recyclers of plastic films in Europe. We're also one of the largest manufacturers of all plastic packaging in Europe. And um, although I'm very involved in uh, our recycling businesses, I'm also appointed by DEFRA as the plastics and plastics recycling industry a representative on the advisory committee on packaging, the ACP. So let's have the first question, Amanda. <laughs> OK, so you certainly know what you're talking about there, Mike. So. We're going to talk about films today. So let's start off with bread bags and soft plastics. Why can't we put them in our curbside recycling? Why won't the councils take them? Well, I'd, I'd like you to put, be able to put them in your curbside recycling because um, I've got a, a, an old saying, and it, and it is, um, if it's not collected, I can't recycle it. And uh, we most definitely have within Berry the capacity to recycle bread bags. But with a, a limited exception, there are a few local authorities that do collect flexible films. The vast majority don't. And that's a real pity. Um, there are various reasons why they don't. But I would suggest that uh, if you want to know why your local authority won't collect not just bread bags, but other flexible films. I think you should get in touch with them. Get, write to your local authority, email your local authority, say, why can't I collect it? They'll doubtless come back with lots of spurious excuses. But the reality is it can be done and it is being done. But unfortunately, only in a very limited set of local authorities. Why aren't they doing it? I suspect because it's far easier to carry on as they are at present because it will require a little bit more work. That's all. Okay, so you're saying that you can collect them or if we could get it to you, you could recycle it. But a lot of people tell us that film's really difficult to recycle and it's not practical. So can you explain that? Well, that's not the case. Um, we have recently... Uh, undertaken a joint venture um, I'll name them with Nestle 
and we have very successfully uh, actually facilitated by recoup uh, pulled a commercial consignment of flexible films um, from an MRF in Cambridgeshire and we put the material through our wash plant in Hina, washed it, shredded it, recycled it and turned it into shrink film and the shrink film is 50% uh, curbside collected and 50% sustain which is also post-use films so it can be done but as I said earlier, it requires a little bit more effort. Certainly as regards the recycling, um, the films, because they've come out of a co-mingled co source, need more separation than would normally be the case. And they also need to be washed. But the technologies exist and the market certainly exists for the recycled pellet. So when we're seeing supermarket um campaign saying bring your film to us and it can be recycled is is it really getting recycled well you'd have to you'd have to ask uh, the supermarkets um i can tell you that we are working uh, with a couple of uh major uk retailers supermarkets i for reasons of confidentiality which i'm sure you'll understand i can't name them um but we are taking material um, that consumers bring back. It's not easy. Um, and that's because the consumer tries to do the right thing. So the consumer brings everything back, absolutely everything. Anything that looks like plastic gets brought back. And, you know, you, can, you can't say to the consumer, oh, you, you can't put that in there. That's a, that's a, cat food metalized laminated pouch bag that that's probably still got some of moggy's breakfast inside it you know but um they're the challenges that we've got to overcome and as i say i i i, I really can't say who we're working with but i can assure you um that there is um one major retailer very big one that we're working with and we have already recycled um industrial scale batches of, of front of store returned by consumers and we've remanufactured it into film for garbage bags okay so obviously you've just said they've turned it into garbage bags are there any other products that we might be able to identify when we're out shopping that would come from film we know that the bot we talk to other people and been told you know the bottles go into bottles where it can where's the film what happens to our film well the thing is that as i as i said a moment ago because um it's such a mass of different materials there are uh there are plenty of outlets but there you, you can't for, for as a result of actually uh food and health regulations it's not possible, for example, to recycle bread bags back into bread bags. That has to be prime material for reasons of product security. But um, refuse sacks, black refuse sacks, and you know that's a huge market. Everybody, or the majority of consumers, when they're in a supermarket or online, are buying black refuse sacks and white bin liners. 
So that's a big market. Um, industrial products, such as um, construction films for new house builds. That's another big market. Heavy duty sacks. We're, we're a major manufacturer um, of uh, polythene films for multi-purpose composts. Uh, many many uh, listeners today will know that 5, 10, 15, 25, 50, 75, 100 litre bags of multi-purpose compost, all the things you get down the garden centre. That's, uh, that's not a food application. And in fact, I, I can tell you that um, two of the major, the biggest suppliers of uh, multi-purpose composts, etc. Uh, we're supplying them. It's what's called a coex, a two-layer film or a three-layer film with black on the inside and white on the outside, which is printed. The black inner layer is absolutely ideal for recycled content, and we're doing that. So with a, with a bit of creativity and a bit of thought, um, there are plenty of applications for polythene films, which could easily take a 20 30% front of store recycled content that's really good to know i'm just thinking you're saying about composting there we've obviously had people talking to us about the using beeswax film instead of cling film or but then you know should some of these items be made of compostable materials so we can just put it in the garden compost instead well i i wouldn't want to comment on the efficacy <laughs> of the claims being made by certain compostable film manufacturers. First of all, it is highly unlikely the, <clears throat> the British standard, the European standard that exists for compostability, actually to achieve the standard, it has to be composted in an industrial composter. Put it in your garden compost, it will still be there in six months, 12 months, two years. But the question, and you, you talk about beeswax film for uh, as a substitute for bread bags. I don't know, but you know the biggest the biggest crisis I think we face uh, as society is global warming, and one of the contributors to global warming is food waste. And the reason you might like to know the reason that the the big bakeries use polythene is because it helps keep fresh bread fresher for longer. That's the reason it's done. And as for beeswax stretch wrap, the I don't have the figures, but the carbon footprint I know is enormous compared to the carbon footprint of manufactured stretch films. So we want to be very careful. I, I, I'm, I'm well aware of the fact that some of the major brewers, for example, have moved from um, collation shrink wrap for their multi-packs to uh, heavy-duty cardboard. Well, the carbon footprint of that is 10 times greater than polythene. What are we doing? You know, this doesn't make sense. What we should be doing is ensuring that there are adequate return processes so that the multi-packs... Now... RAP, um, uh, as I'm sure many of you know, have a view on this. And RAP say that for uh, small multi-packs, 
of uh, five or less and under 500 mil, um, that polythene shrink film shouldn't be used. And you might be surprised to know, yes, we, we agree with that. We also agree with the wrap position, which says you don't substitute one material for another. Actually, you stop using it. So in this instance, where there's a clear environmental benefit, above that, bigger packs, one litre, six or more, then wrap say, that, so this is wrap, not me, that the only time there should be a substitute for polythene is if a life cycle analysis has been undertaken and it clearly proves that there is not a carbon increase in the alternative packaging. So I think what I'm saying here is if there's science involved, fine. I don't have a problem with that, but it's got to be a full LCA, not done because it's trendy or emotive or people are going to feel good about it. Yeah, we are looking at doing some comparables and putting those out on our TikTok channel. So nicely led into there, Mike, to give me a little chance to promote the TikTok again. <laughs> um, okay, thank you for that, because that is that is one of the big questions that we're asked a lot as to why, do, why should we be doing it. The other question was, um, we see a lot of pictures where film has gone abroad and it's washing up or it's in piles, sacked up. Have you got any thoughts on that at all? A lot of thoughts, Amanda. <laughs> that like that can possibly go out to our audience today. <laughs> <laughs> um, the reason that there have been these shock horror documentaries featuring so-called recycling facilities in Pacific Rim countries, although I have to say it's not just the Pacific Rim. I actually only this morning have received some photographs of a so-called recycling factory in Poland. Mm. And goodness me, is it grim. Why is it dumb? Well, it comes back to the uh, reason that local authorities don't want to make sure that, or don't want to collect films, some of them. It's finance, it's money. It is easier and cheaper to take plastic, mix plastics, put them in a container and send them to a deep sea destination. Out of sight, out of mind. And you know, all the exporters have to do the paperwork although defra uh, assure us the environment agency assure us that they're now taking a much more proactive stance in policing this to make sure that when the exporter has the paperwork and, it, and the question is will these uh, will these materials be recycled to european uh, health and safety and environmental standards well of course they will be <laughs> tick the box um so out of sight out of mind and it gets over there uh because it's the cheapest and the easiest alternative that's that's the brutal reality of it and it every time there's an expose um whoever gets caught if it's a local authority or a, or a retailer 
all throw their hands up in the air and say, oh, goodness me, we didn't know this was happening. It's a one off. I mean, I don't want the I don't want it to be, be exported. I don't want any any plastic packaging to be exported at all. I want it to be recycled in the UK. A for sound environmental reasons. B, what are we doing sending our packaging overseas when we should be recycling it in this country? And the way that is achieved is if all stakeholders work together. I can't do it on my own. We've, we've got circa 150,000 tonnes of recycling capacity and we could easily grow that. But it isn't just us. Curbside has got to be sorted and it's got to be collected. Now, when DRS comes in, in a couple of years' time, it's reasonable to assume that a lot of the milk bottles and PT beverage bottles that currently are collected curbside will not be collected curbside because consumers will take them back to wherever the point is to get their deposit back which means there's going to be a lot of empty space on collection vehicles. So it could be organized, the local authorities. And there are some examples of best practice where local authorities do curbside collect. But next, there's got to be good sortation. Next, there's got to be committed recycling in the UK. And then finally, and most importantly, there's got to be markets for the recycling produced. And they've got to be everything in the chain has got to be commercially viable. Now, we've proved that this can be achieved. But as I say, it's got to have total commitment from all of the stakeholders in the chain. You can't just point a finger at one part of the value chain. It's got to be everybody and it's got to be a real commitment. And so to answer your question, why does all this mixed plastic waste get exported? I'm afraid to say it's because it's the easiest and cheapest option. It's in a container. It's gone. Goodbye. Let's forget about it. Now it's somebody else's problem. But there is a lot of work being done in the UK to make that system work smoother isn't there so hopefully over time that will increase and the exports will reduce perhaps well um i very much hope so um unfortunately uh uk overall we still export more waste plastic packaging for recycling in inverted commas overseas than we recycle in the UK and also a fair amount of the um, curbside collection not all of it is recycled uh, quite a considerable proportion uh, it gets processed and turned into energy for waste so yeah there are there are um, good issues good points Amanda there are businesses trying to do the right thing and certainly the recyclers want to do it, but I'm afraid I see too much 
we all go along to presentations and then these there's these lovely little you know these presentations the digital presentations and it's always circular and you see and there's there's a lorry going from a from a collection point to a factory and then there's another lorry going to a factory that's making plastic and then there's another lorry going to some happy looking shoppers or consumers we've all seen them you know little cartoons and everybody talks a good game it's great you see so they all everybody feels good about it you know hey you know has anything actually happened in reality on the ground well no it's still in the planning stage and that coming back to stakeholders you know i think we're reaching the point now where there's going to have to be some commitments and that's the other thing that it, it does require long-term commitments you, you can't expect um, recyclers to invest the millions and millions of pounds that are required to uh, increase capacity without at least you know, a letter of intent or a serious commercial consideration uh, nobody's going to do it but it, it can be done and as i say on a positive note we're doing it and in fact as you know amanda we've been working with recoup on this for a couple of years with some very successful um, projects and I, I must mention again the nestle project which absolutely proves 100 percent that you can uh, recycle commercially bulk quantities of film that's been doorstep collected okay so it's not all doom and gloom there then no no it's not <laughs> because um from our for our listeners you know when they're sort of looking around trying to do their recycling and trying to do the best that they can um i think it's really important that people recognize that yeah it is difficult to do film but it is like you say it is happening it is starting to get there and we know from when we spoke to adam reed on the last podcast he was saying that they they do collect it but they also ship it to point of what of sale as well so that the people where they're buying who are buying the material are re recycling it on their behalf as well so there's systems in place and people are trying to do the best thing across the industry it's not i think uh, just a little bit sort of we don't want people thinking that it's a waste of time trying to do anything and giving up. So oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying no. What I'm saying is that it needs, I believe the consumer, the overwhelming majority want their films being recycled. I mean, films, you know, polythene films, um, there are lots and lots and lots of benefits. And what it needs, as I've said before, it needs all stakeholders to reflect on what the consumer wants and put systems in place to recycle it. I mean, Amanda, I'll be brutal about it. The reason I believe that some of the stakeholders in the value chain don't take this more seriously is because they can't be bothered. It's as simple as that. You know, we are proof that you can do it. You know, you come to our factory at Hina. We've just spent, I don't know how many million. Well, I do, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> re 
refurbishing our big wash line there that was built. The, the line is built to take off the impediments to recycling, like paper labels, dirt, non-plastics. And it's there, and it's a big tonnage plant, and we've got uh, big agricultural farms recycling lines in Scotland, in Wales. We've got um, Rigid's last rigid recycling line in, uh, in Cambridge, sir. So it can be done, but it just requires a little bit of effort. That's what I'm getting at. It requires effort. And I suppose it's far easier for a local authority, some of them, when asked, why don't you collect films at curbside to say, oh, there's no markets for it or, oh, there's nowhere to recycle it. Because most people then will believe that. Just, unless unless you're unfortunate enough to know me or you, Amanda, or a few colleagues at Recoup, who's going to stand up and say to a local authority, you're wrong. Of course it can be recycled. Go to Hena and have a look at the berry wash plant. And it is good to see that some of the um, local authorities are starting to see that and understand it and making that service available as well. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, that's why I, I said at, at the start that I, I would, I would like if all the uh, all the taxpayers, all of the charge payers, wrote to their local authority and said, "What are you doing about it? We know it can be done. Get in touch with Recoup; they'll tell you how to do it." In yeah, fact, so instead, rather than people sort of walking away and saying, "Well, it's a waste of time because nobody's going to do it," start asking and saying, yeah. "Use it." we're using it we want to recycle it we know it can be recycled what can be done about it yeah i think that's the one big change that's come in um in the last 10 years with the advent of new technology i mean the sort of technologies that we're using and not just us there's plenty of others out there as well um means that you can recycle um these more heavily contaminated materials in the UK, you don't need to, for example, put them in a container and send them overseas. No, that's good to know. So we are start. It is getting there, and positive. There is some positives to come out of there. Then, oh, I want to recycle more. Well, we we want to recycle more. I want to recycle lots <laughs> more than one hundred and fifty thousand tons we're doing a year at the moment. <laughs> But I, want, I need partners. I need partners, Amanda. Okay, so we need to get you some help and we need people to keep recycling their film for you. Absolutely. We are, this is what we need. We need consumers to take their films back to retail outlets, front of store, because a lot of the big retailers now are starting to roll this out. We need consumers to lobby their local authorities, to get in touch with the waste department and say, why aren't you collecting this stuff? And consumers themselves actually could help just a bit, just a bit. Um, try and stick to the recycling rules. If you look on, uh, certainly with the local authorities uh, that do collect films yeah. and the retail front of store collection points, all give guidance on what should be included and whilst 
we want to be as inclusive as possible. There are a few no-no materials that we just don't need. And the reason is that they, they clog up the recycling system. Yeah. So the consumer can help just by a little bit of housekeeping and following the recycling guidelines. No, that's brilliant. Thank you ever so much, Mike. Um, so do you think, honestly, I mean, we looked, we said, you know, it took nearly 20 years for plastic bottles to become regular recyclable items. So can you see a point when the UK film will easily be added to the household recycling? Well, hopefully under the new packaging regulations, which come in in 2023, 2024, uh, EPR it's called, Extended Producer Responsibility. And this replaces the existing packaging waste regulations, which were introduced in 1996. It's gonna be the, the biggest change to UK packaging regulations for 25, 30 years. And provided DEFRA, who have responsibility for this, include polythene films in what's called the core set of materials that local authorities will be legally obliged to collect. If that happens, if DEFRA don't give in to the small pressure groups who don't want film collecting. I mean, there are, I can tell you, trade bodies out there that are actively lobbying DEFRA to say, do not include polythene films in the set of core recycled materials when EPR comes in in 2023. Leave it till 2028. Well, it's too long. And who's going to invest on that sort of time scale? So uh, the last element that I haven't mentioned until now that has a part to play is government. DEFRA. They must ensure that polythene films are included in the initial core set of materials that local authorities will be legally obliged to collect. So this is where we're hearing about people talking about consistency and looking at trying to get it so that you, whatever you put in your bin, well, where I am will be the same as where you are, same as your friends are. Yeah, consistency is, uh, if you don't mind me just putting you right there, Amanda, uh, consistency is more about that everybody's got the same colored bin, that the same materials, that if you move from Derbyshire to Gloucestershire, that the recycling infrastructure, i.e. what you put out for curbside is identical in every local authority. I mean, it, it seems amazing, but there are, there are still some local authorities, only a handful that don't even take plastic bottles. No, they're all they're all now. I can correct you on that oh, one. Oh, they are well yeah. done. As Good. of last year. <laughs> oh, well done. Excellent. So that that consistent. Of course, it all fits in together. Consistency that comes in, and then corset 
include plastic films, bring it all in at the same time, then there'll be the confidence through the sectors to make sure the materials are recycled in the UK. And I can't stress enough, another part that consumers have got is to write to make sure that the materials that they take back to the store is are recycled in the UK and not put in a container and sent overseas. That's really good. Thank you, Mike. It's it's really interesting to hear sort of that all these changes are coming down the line because obviously in the industry we're talking about it quite a lot, but uh, people aren't necessarily always aware. So we're looking at 2023, 2025, did you just say? Well, EPR is slated to come in in uh, 20, it's supposed to be 2023, but I think there might be a slight delay. It could be 2024. And then there's um, a, a, a rolling period. And what we're saying is that we want polythene films to be included in mandatory collection for local authorities as soon as the regulation is in force, which I think is probably going to be early 2024 okay the proposal so, the proposal from certain parts of government is that polythene film should be left to 2028 we don't want that we yeah. want it collecting when all the other changes come in it makes sense for the consumer if everything goes at one time everyone knows what's going on don't they absolutely so no that's helpful because i think that way people Although at the moment it can be a little bit frustrating, knowing that changes are being planned and scheduled, it does help sort of settle people and encourage them to keep recycling. So Yeah. That's great. Thank you ever so much for your time, Mike. I really appreciate it. Anytime. <laughs> okay. All right, I'll let you go now. Yeah, but, have a so, good day. Thank you very much. Take care. Okay. Bye. Thank you for joining the Cutting Confusion Pledge to Recycle Plastics podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and hope that you'll tune in next time to learn more about plastics recycling. Until then, bye for now.